0: this is COVID-19 Seattle I'm Dave Ross and I'm Aaron Granillo
1: today we are talking about vaccines the polls say public confidence and safety is wavering Dr. Keith Jerome who heads the University of Washington's virology lab will join the show to answer questions about the coronavirus vaccine but first
0: President Trump says he has no regrets about
1: the way his administration handled the pandemic. Speaking at a town hall-style event on ABC News, this student wanted to know why the president played down the virus after hearing those recordings released by journalist Bob Woodward.
2: If you believe it's the president's responsibility to protect America, why would you downplay a pandemic that is known to disproportionately harm low-income families and minority communities?
3: Yeah. Well, I didn't downplay it. I actually, in many ways, I upplayed it in terms of action. My action was very it strong. Yourself, yeah, because that you need- what I did was uh, with China, I put a ban on. With Europe, I put a ban on. And we would have lost thousands of more people had I not put the ban on.
1: He talked more about those travel bans.
3: That was called action, not with the mouth, but in actual fact. We did a very, very good job when we put that ban on. Whether you call it talent or luck... It was very important. So we saved a lot of lives when we did that.
1: Does the president have a case here? Uh, Did his administration do enough to stop the spread? Well, he did impose the travel ban, and that probably
0: helped. He certainly did not set a public example that made mask wearing the popular thing to do among his supporters. Uh, I think that's pretty clear. His priority was to try to get the economy open. And I, I think he I think the vibe that he gave at that time was that it was more important to keep the economy healthy then to uh, mask up. I think he's changed since, for example, the last rally that he held. He got in trouble for it with the local authorities. But I noticed that even though the, the main crowd was unmasked, the human wall behind him was masked up. So and those are the people closest to him, obviously. So I think it's uh, it's fair to say that at least he understands that you need masks to protect others.
1: Yet also, Dave, during that ABC News town hall, he seemed to question how effective masks are still.
0: There was that point where he talked about, I believe, a waiter in a restaurant, right, where if you're wearing a mask and you touch the mask and then touch the food, well, obviously there's a chance that the virus is trapped in the mask, will transfer to your fingers and could transfer to the food. So I think the point he was trying to make, I'm trying to be fair to him here, is that even if you wear a mask, if you don't know how to use it properly or, for example, don't wash your hands after touching it, there's a chance you could still spread the virus.
1: Is his messaging the last week or so since those Bob Woodward recordings came out, is it enough to win over the skeptical voters or is the damage already done there?
0: I did not see any skeptical voters necessarily won over in that town hall. But what I did notice was that he was courteous to everybody. He seemed confident in his point of view. This idea that I was acting in reality, if not through my words in public, I thought was kind of a stretch. But I, I doubt that it would have changed anybody's mind one way or the other. His personality, I think, is uh, unique enough
1: that you either like him or you don't. The head of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says face masks are still the best tool in fighting the spread of COVID-19, perhaps even better than a vaccine.
2: I might even go so far as to say that this face mask is more guaranteed to protect me against
1: COVID than when I take a COVID vaccine. If I don't get an immune response, the vaccine is not going to protect me. This face mask will. That's CDC Director Robert Redfield speaking at a Senate hearing this week.
2: I think there will be vaccine that initially be available sometime between November and December but very limited supply and will have to be prioritized.
1: He said a vaccine for the general public at the level where you could just walk into any pharmacy and ask for it that's probably not going to happen until roughly a year from now.
3: It's going to be a much faster distribution than he said. Maybe he's not aware of the distribution process. It's not really his thing as much as it would be let's say mine. But the distribution is going to be much faster. As far as the mask is concerned, uh, I hope that the vaccine is going to be a lot more beneficial than the masks.
0: The Defense Department and other federal health agencies, meanwhile, unveiled their plan to make a vaccine available for free to all Americans. It says they could provide them as early as January if that's possible. Healthcare workers would get the shots first. The report says that most people will need two doses 21 to 28 days apart.
1: And of course, making the vaccine, that is only half the battle. You have to convince people to go get the shot, too. And people are increasingly skeptical. There was this recent CBS News poll that showed the majority of voters would take a wait and see approach rather than immediately getting vaccinated, even if the vaccine is free. And two thirds of voters think that a vaccine announced in 2020 will have been rushed without adequate testing, not some miraculous scientific breakthrough. People were even more nervous last week after a trial by AstraZeneca was put on hold for safety reasons. Dave, what do we know about that?
0: This was the British trial, and one of the test subjects in Britain participating in the AstraZeneca trials became ill. We have not been told exactly what the illness was except to say that it was something neurological. But now the company says that they have resumed human trials in Britain. But here are a few things we've learned about this experimental vaccine. There's no clear consensus as to whether this person's illness was caused by the vaccine or not. It could have been a pre-existing condition. And that's what they presumably paused to investigate. The company says that freezing trials, when something like this happens, is part of a standard process for safety reviews. That's what you do. You gradually expand the number of people being tested, which, of course, increases the chances that one or two or three or more of those people will have either a genetic makeup or a preexisting condition that could bring out a side effect caused by the vaccine. And the FDA, of course, is also conducting its own investigation. I talked to a vaccine participant here in Seattle. His name is Ian Hayden. This was back in early July. And he was one of those early test subjects who told me he did get pretty sick Sick enough that he had to go to an urgent care center after his second shot of the experimental vaccine went sideways.
1: I ended up getting the chills. I ended up with a fever, headache, nausea, some muscle pains. sort of, a lot of things came on.
0: But he wasn't admitted to a hospital. The symptoms passed, and he came out the other side seemingly unfazed.
1: In order for clinical trials to happen, we need healthy volunteers. And if everybody decides that they're too risky and they're not able to participate, we're just not going to we're not going to get a vaccine, and and we desperately need one. And so I would encourage folks, you know, if you're in good health and you, you're in a position where you could take on a small amount of risk on behalf of a lot of other people, it might be something to consider. Where does this leave us all now today, Dave? I mean, you know, we had the AstraZeneca setback over there, but other trials seem to be going pretty well here. Are we feeling confident uh, that when a vaccine does become Available, seemingly, before the end of the year, that it will be safe. Well, I'm feeling pretty good about it. I mean, the fact that they were willing to come out and say
0: that this one test subject had a problem and that they handled it and looked into it, that's what these trials are supposed to accomplish. These are large trials with thousands and thousands of people, which makes me feel uh, better about it. But, of course, in anything like this, I mean, everybody's genetic makeup is different, right? Everybody's makeup is unique. And we certainly won't know for sure until it actually is released into the general public, which is why it probably makes sense that those people who are most at risk, in other words, the risk of going without the vaccine is much greater than the risk of the vaccine itself. They're the ones who will get it first. And uh,
1: the rest of us can decide where in the line we want to stand. All right. I think we've gathered enough questions now at this point to call in a true expert on all of this.
0: Yes. Joining me now, Dr. Keith Jerome, head of the University of Washington's Virology Lab. First of all, can you settle this whole dispute on when the vaccine is going to be available? Is it going to be October or is it going to be next June?
2: <laughs> well, Dave, I think that there's 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 confusion around kind of what the finish line is here for the vaccine, I think. And and for me, what we're looking for is where we have uh, an approved, safe, and effective vaccine and enough doses to get out to everybody. And, and the fact of the matter is to, to, to give a vaccine to every American who wants it, that's not going to happen until next summer. And, and people can say whatever they want, but the, the the reality of the effort of getting 300 million people one or even two doses of vaccine. Some of the vaccines require two doses. It, it just can't happen by October. That's not. There's no reality to that whatsoever.
0: So, Dr. Redfield said that there could be something available in October or November, but it would first go to first responders and other people, elderly people, others who have pre-existing conditions. Is that is that uh, something that that uh, you I agree think with or that's- not?
2: I, I, well, you know, I mean, the ultimate decision is not going to be mine as to what gets approved and what gets out there. And you've seen countries uh, approve vaccines. There's a Russian vaccine, for example, that nobody knows anything about. But, but Putin likes to say it's, it's approved. Um, so we don't know much about that. Uh, so could something be approved in October? I suppose there won't be much, if any, data on how well it works and how safe it is. There won't be very many doses, but um, I, I think some so the good point of what, what Dr. Rayfield said, which is accurate, is that these first days after a vaccine is approved, and we understand that it works, it is going there won't be very many doses yet available, and it will have to go to the people at the highest risk. So elderly people, people with multiple risk factors, the frontline health workers who need to take care of sick people. That makes a lot of sense. I I just am not sure that getting this in October is something that we can reasonably expect to happen, regardless of what's being said.
0: I'm hearing that one of these vaccines involves two doses. and has to be stored at 70 degrees below zero. Is that the Moderna?
2: So there's multiple vaccines and each one has sort of its its own way that it needs to be handled. Uh, the Holy grail in vaccines is always, you can keep them at room temperature and, and that's makes it easier to get them around the world, right? Places for refrigeration is not, not easy to do. So, you know, there's details on each one, um, how they need to be handled. Some, some of them are, are what we call vector vaccines. They actually use a different virus that to, 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 to carry in, um, small snippets of the coronavirus so that the immune system can learn to fight those without being at risk of actually getting the infection from the vaccine. So those typically need to be handled more carefully and be more refrigerated. Others are much more stable, kind of more classic vaccines, and you don't need to worry about that so much.
0: What the impression I got in listening to some of this testimony was: this is not like this is not like the flu vaccine. You have to keep track of people, which shot they're on, if it's shot number one, shot number two, and as you pointed out, you have to have refrigeration facilities to make sure that it's still uh, potent. So, are we organized for this?
2: Well, I mean, to some degree, it's not completely uncharted territory, Dave. I mean, for example, if you get a hepatitis B vaccination, you 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 you'll get a couple of them. If you get a uh, human papillomavirus vaccination, that, that's a multi-shot uh, mm-hmm. uh, regimen. So we're used to this. I think what's different is the scale here where ideally we'd, we'd love to vaccinate 300 million Americans. Now, whether people will will agree to be vaccinated or not is an entirely different story. Um, and then we need to do it really fast. And so that's completely different from anything we've really done for these other viruses.
0: Now that gets me to contact tracing which uh is pretty important but we just saw a report that it appears to be failing for a very human reason people don't want, people don't want to snitch on each other they don't want to say who they've been near for fear that, that they would prompt a call from the state so uh, yeah
2: what yeah. do you do about so, yeah. that well, I've read about that too, David. You know, I think one thing that I'll, I'll disagree with a little is, is to say that it's failing. I think that it's not working as well as we wish it were and it needs to be improved and hopefully their efforts to improve it. But I do want people to understand that all these precautions we're taking with this virus, whether it's contact tracing, it's a mask, it's a vaccine, they're not success or failure. They're not black and white. Uh, they're not yes, no. That... Everything is just trying to reduce the transmission a little bit. Like we get masks aren't perfect. Sometimes people argue it's masks because, hey, I saw somebody touch their mask. Therefore, masks are worthless. That's not true. Sure, you shouldn't be fiddling with your mask with your hands. But, but, but wearing them is reducing the transmission. And we know that. There's a lot of data. The vaccines probably won't be perfect, frankly. The, like a flu vaccine and a typical year might reduce your risk by 60 or 70 percent of getting the flu. They're not perfect. And everybody's heard about somebody who got the flu shot and got the flu anyway. I mean, this is the reality. And so I think it's the same way with contact tracing. Yeah, it's not even close to perfect right now, but it's still helping. And, and we got to make it better so that it helps more.
0: There are so many other things to fight about that this uh, thing over the masks still, still kind of baffles me. Because even so, I just reading today one of the pastors who was this uh, big anti-mask person has come down with it and said, "I guess I made a mistake." So, uh, you know, we're it's it's uh, what's well, I, I keep forgetting what month it is. It's September now, so we've had what <laughs> seven months of this. We've we've known for a long time what works and what doesn't. It seems to me.
2: Well, I think it's unfortunate we've sort of seen and it hasn't just happened in this couple of years, it's, it's been a process over over multiple years, it's sort of a a distrust of expertise. People, whether it's the, the traffic engineer or the scientist or the, whoever, the accountant, you know, somehow, well, yeah, they just went to school, learned all this, but they don't really live in the real world or have common sense or whatever. And, you know, I think, people actually study these things and specialize in these things and and how lucky we are that we have people like that who know these areas and we got to start to listen to them a little bit more and like you said not turn it into something that's a football to kick back and forth if if people who have spent their lives on this say hey to to the best of my understanding right now I think these masks are protecting us why not listen to them
0: yeah dr keith jerome director of the university of washington virology lab
1: Dr. Jerome, thanks very much.
2: Always a pleasure, Dave. Take care.
1: Tune in next Thursday as we discuss more of the latest coronavirus news. You can subscribe to this podcast and also find our news coverage on MyNorthwest.com or listen live at 97.3 FM.